listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Beulah Girl podcast, and I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. We are currently in the middle of a series on the book of Ruth on the blog, but I want to step away from that series for this episode and next week's and talk about a different topic, and that is depression. And I want to talk about a few strategies for combating depression. I'll be focusing on two of those in this episode, and then I'll wrap up next week and focus on three more. If you'd like to see the article that accompanies this post or this episode, you can jump on BeulahGirl.com and it will be there for you. I'm actually adapting these uh, points from an article I wrote for a series when I first started the blog. And I also share a story on there of a period of time as a young person I went through. It was actually a three-year period of depression when I was first married. And I share that story. If you'd like to read about it, I'll be sharing a different story on the podcast today. But if you'd like to see that again, you can jump on there and I'll have some other resources up there for you. But believe it or not, this time of year as we're going off Thanksgiving and going into Christmas and even leading up to Thanksgiving, I mean, just the holiday season, but I'm just saying right now we're, you know, Thanksgiving were, was yesterday and we're going into Christmas, but the holiday season for many of us, as surprising as it sounds, can actually be a tough time. And many of us are right now or will struggle at some point during this season with depression. And I looked up, I was just curious about why this is. And so I looked up a few articles on this and a few key key uh, reasons kind of came up as I was looking up different articles. But one is just the demands of the season are more on us than in other times of the year. We have gifts to buy. We have parties to attend. We have cards to send out. There's just more on us and it can lead to feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Another reason, unrealistic expectations we can hope for or dream of or think in our minds have a certain vision or expectation and then that comes crashing down we maybe aren't able to meet our own expectations or others. We had expectations for others, for family get togethers or so forth. And they don't meet our particular expectations. Financial limitations can be, can be a reason. Many of us just aren't able to pull off Christmas like we'd want to, or even afford gifts, whatever the case. Um, so there can just be a myriad of reasons. Maybe the loss of a loved one, we're going through the holiday without them. There can be just a myriad of reasons, as I mentioned, that we can suffer from depression. Or maybe you're tuning in and none of these reasons resonate, but we, we maybe are just somebody who, you know, periodically will suffer from depression. And maybe depression at the moment in your life is is um, caused not by any of the reasons I listed, but maybe because you're going through a chronic illness and you haven't been able to find a remedy or you've recently had a fallout in a relationship or a loss of some kind um, or perhaps suffering some guilt, unresolved feelings over maybe some 
choices that you made. Whatever the case, there can be so many reasons for suffering depression, but there is remedy in God's word. So I want to just focus on a few few things we can do when we are actually going through times of of hardship and and depression. This past weekend, as I was going into holiday season, I do want to say that I had a great Thanksgiving. We had it at my sister-in-law's house, and really this week has been very low-key, and my kids have been home with me out of school, and we've just been cooking and doing some fun things to prepare for Thanksgiving. We made pumpkin pie together. The kids helped me with that. We've been preparing for my husband's birthday because it's today. Just doing some really low-key family type of things together. And this week has been great. But going into this weekend, I can honestly say that I was experiencing some very heavy feelings. Life has been heavy lately. The few weeks leading up to this week, we've gone through just some life hardships that have been one right after another that in and of themselves are are not really huge. We could, I could say, but just kind of are all building up on top of each other. We've had some, just some daily life stuff that has been tough. We had, you know, all three of my kids were sick for two weeks, one right after another and needed constant care and, and minute, you know, medication administered and all that, that comes with having sick kids. Someone ran into the back of our van when we were in the church parking lot and actually, it was a confusing situation. They ran into us, but then they thought we ran into them. It was this older woman who was a little disoriented when she got out of the car. And initially, when I looked at the the bumper, I told her I didn't see any damage, so we could just let it go. We didn't have to exchange information. Then when we got home, we saw, no, there actually was damage. There were some scratches under the bumper and some paint peeled off. So now I realize I mishandled that situation and I should have gotten her insurance information so that we could have gotten some money to fix fix that. And now whatever we do is going to have to come out of pocket. We've had, you know, right around the time my kids were sick, our dryer went out. Um, our refrigerator was leaking water. We had two unexpected repairs with that. I've had some minor health things I've been walking through. And then there are some larger I did say we've just been going through some minor life stuff, but then there are some larger issues that I really can't mention in the blog that I've been praying about with God and just asking God to just send some relief in these situations to do something. And he has chosen not to, and I have to trust that he's working things out, that he has a plan. It's just been difficult to trust because I want something to happen in some of these situations immediately, and they they really haven't. So walking through all of this, I've been just worn out. And if I could just describe myself, it would be like a rubber band that's stretched really tight that's about to snap. And I know some of you listening maybe can relate. But often if I'm feeling this way, it's because I'm not having my quiet time or not having prayer. But that really wasn't the case. I was praying. I was reading the Bible. I was crying out to God. And I still felt so stressed and overwhelmed and just like a rubber band about to snap. So going into the weekend, my husband told me that he was already going to be gone most of Thanksgiving week. He has a week off because he's a teacher, but he has a side job he does that he works on during breaks. And so he was going to be gone for most of the days except for Thanksgiving. 
And then he told me, he also coaches. So he told me on Friday of two extra dates that he wasn't going to be home. So I wasn't particularly pleased. And so then I just went off on, which isn't, I try not to scream and, and be out of control fruits of the spirit. Right. But I wasn't displaying any of those on Friday. I went off because I was unhappy to hear that he would be gone more days than he was even originally scheduled to be gone. And then going into Saturday, we had a picture session planned and I was trying not to let myself get stressed about it, but it, it's not an easy thing to get five people ready for a picture session. I had to let, you know, I had to make sure everybody's outfits were clean, were laid out. And honestly, just finding clothes to wear for my kids that all matched each other was really not the easiest thing in the world. I wanted to just go out and buy some new outfits for everyone. And that would have been ideal. But again, we're a one income family. And so we have to make sacrifices and we, we can't just simply rush out and I have to, you know, be really careful. And so I was just using clothes that we had. And if you've been in a similar situation, you know what this looks like, where you're looking for clothes that aren't torn or don't have holes or don't aren't frayed that look the best. They're going to show up the best. It, it was going to be indoor photography under the lights and make sure this kid's shoes aren't scuffed. And does this kid even have shoes that he can wear that are decent, that aren't athletic shoes, that kind of scenario. So I finally get an outfit for everyone. Well, we show up at the picture session and I had chosen kind of blue and gray and the very backdrop to the, the picture was blue and gray. And so I wasn't too happy about that. Well, let me just tell you right, right away that we received this picture package as a gift from my husband's school. It is something the principal has done for the last two years now. It's a free session for families, but it's, I know some of you are thinking, well, that sounds great, but let me just kind of back up for a minute and say that it's free, but it's the school, it's the school photographer. So it's the same photography that you get for like school portraits and things like that. So the backdrop they had was kind of the same backdrop that you would maybe see in, in maybe your kid's school picture and so forth. And let me just say that one of the sacrifices that we've kind of had to make the last few years, again, are, are extras. And I've really wanted for the longest time to do family pictures as far as a expensive photographer and do the outdoor, you know, you see them on Facebook all the time, the outdoor poses where, you know, the family's in the cotton field or the family's next to the rustic barn. I really wanted to do one of those, but we're not able to. So I love to do a family picture around the holidays. So I wanted to do one and, and we got this free session, which again is wonderful, but it it is not exactly what I have dreamed in my head as far as an outdoor session. And so the, 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 the immediately walking into it, I'm trying to keep a positive outlook, but it took a whole lot of effort to get everybody dressed. It almost took really our scheduled time was three something. It really took most of that morning to get everybody showered and ready to go. And so it went to a lot of effort. We just had this little 15 minute session immediately when we started the session, I was not happy with, with the poses, the photographer put me behind my husband in every single picture. I had this cute little dress on and boots and 
put me behind my husband. So all you could see were my shoulders up and immediately he was showing me pictures. I didn't like the poses he was putting us in. And then he was showing the pictures and in every picture he showed me, I could see everything wrong with the picture. This kid's head was turned the wrong way or wasn't tilted enough. There's too much space between these two people or this person's hair looked frizzy on one side. And on the subject of hair, I was not pleased to see my own hair, which looked jet black in the lighting. Um, that's another sore subject with me. Is that now that I'm moving into my, I'm now 40, I have a lot of gray hair and I'd love to get it done at a salon, get some beautiful highlights and cover all that gray. But I dye it myself again as a money saving measure. And again, I know this is not a huge deal that I, sh I have a lot of blessings in my life, but I would love to be able to go and get it done. And so I had done my own hair a few days before. And when I first do my hair, it's really dark until it calms down and it takes a couple washes to kind of get it to what my actual color is. And so it was looking jet black in the picture. So my hair looks bad. I don't like the poses and I'm, I'm not expressing this. I'm saying, you know, he's the photographer is asking me if I want, if I'd like anything particular. So I made, I did ask him if we could just sit on the floor instead of, he had us kind of on these stools and, I don't, I don't know. He had us in a different configuration, but I'm, I'm not wanting to be that person that's taking over the photo shoot and being too critical. So I just kind of keep my thoughts to myself, but as we're leaving, my husband's beaming. Wow. Wasn't that great? Okay. That's done. And I'm thinking in my mind, how unhappy I am with the pictures and how I'm not even sure if there's three out of the entire session that we're going to be able to salvage. And so I'm thinking about all of this a little while later, we get home and again, my husband brings up the pictures once again and I snap once again and I start talking about how I want to get my hair done again and my hair looked bad and we had to get free pictures and I'm just going off and really it's a small thing it's a very small thing I'm not upset about the pictures I'm not upset about what I'm screaming about I mean it's just this small thing that I'm focusing on but everything up to that week had been so stressful and so so weighing on me that I'm going off over this really small thing. I stomp up to my to upstairs. Then I feel guilty because my husband went to all this trouble to sign us up for the pictures because he knows that it's meaningful to me. He really could care less about getting holiday pictures. He did it for me and he knew that it would mean a lot to me. And he had to work earlier that day, raced home from his drive school job took a shower and, and cut it, you know, cut his hair and all that to be able to take the pictures. And so here I am acting the way I am. So then I feel guilty and I have to apologize for the second or maybe it was the third time that weekend for blowing up. And there are obviously larger issues behind what I'm, what I'm, what I'm expressing, but Anyway, I go into church the next day, which was Sunday, and I'm feeling really down. Um, I'm feeling down about some of the trials we're going through. I'm feeling down about how snappy I've been with my family. Just feeling down. So during the service, though, it's like God really ministered to me during the music and the sermon. And because God is good, he didn't smack me over the head and say, wow, you terrible 
you know, you terrible person, look at your bad attitude you've had with your family. Instead, it was just a very gracious, I just felt so strengthened and renewed and he could see past that really bad behavior and see that I was really struggling. And the topic of the sermon was ungratefulness and how ingratitude can, can cause depression and in our lives can, when we're not grateful, we're not looking for what we can be grateful for that leads to negative attitudes and snapping at people around us and having very little grace for people and being jealous of others and being upset over little things and irritable. And I really needed to hear what the pastor was saying. And I realized in that moment that the reason I was stretched so tight like a rubber band is that those hard circumstances we were walking through, I mean, a lot of them were just daily little mundane trials that were just building on top of each other, you know, were overwhelming me, but I wasn't taking the time to really focus on what I could be grateful for. I was just focusing on all the negative things happening and just surviving. And that was taking me to a a negative place. And I wasn't able to have strength and have grace for others because I was focusing so much on what was negative. And I really needed to just take a deep breath and just be grateful and think about instead of everything wrong, be grateful that I could take pictures, be grateful that I had my, my kids weren't sick, that our appliances had been fixed, grateful that for anything I could find in the moment, instead of just focusing on the negative. So in that moment, God really showed me what I was struggling with. And I felt so much better leading that, leaving that service. As Christians, we are going to suffer with depression and we may think that because we're Christians that we're never going to, that we shouldn't ever be upset or mad or irritable or because the Bible tells us, you know, that, you know, to have the fruits of the spirit and so forth. And I'm not saying we should be irritable with those around us, but there are going to be moments when life is too much and it presses down on us and we need God to step in and help us because our circumstances are more than we can handle on our own. And we may even be going through some of the right motions and reading the Bible and yet, and trying to connect with God and still feel very heavy and feel very down. And in those times, rather than pretend like we're okay or pretend like we don't have you know, we're not experiencing depression, we can admit those feelings to God. And we see in the Bible individuals such as David who got depressed and God wasn't upset with them, but he definitely was there for them. So it's not something that we have to pretend like doesn't exist or hide. When we are depressed, our mind is processing through a loss of some kind or reacting to a stressful event or situation And we might, again, have unresolved anger towards a person. We might have experienced a loss of some kind. We might be going through a health situation. And those circumstances can encourage negative thoughts that leave us depressed. So what are some things that when we're actually going through a time of that difficulty, what can we do? I want to talk about the first thing we can do is we can practice Thanksgiving in the moment. Like I was sharing with you during the sermon is that many times when we're walking through, or I should say what I what I shared with you and, and what our pastor emphasized on, on Sunday, many times when we're walking through something hard, we don't realize that 
our focus is really on the negative and we're focusing on just everything wrong in our life and it leaves very little space for looking at what we can be grateful for. But Thanksgiving is actually that which will help to lift our mood. There are many verses in the Bible that stress being grateful in all circumstances. Thanksgiving helps to take the edge off the pain, even forget it in many cases. And Voskamp, and I don't say that lightly to say, wow, you can just forget the loss of a loved one. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that sometimes just the pain of little daily struggles, maybe uh, a person not recognizing us at work or the rejection that we feel in a situation or just the little daily struggles of living in a fallen world with, with kids getting sick and appliances breaking down, that focusing on what we have to be grateful for instead of just the problems is that which can help us forget our pain. And Voskamp in her study, 1000 Gifts, she recommends and talks about how she just, you know, writes down she went on a project where she would write down everything she was thankful for, what she calls her gifts. And these could be really simple, like, Lord, thank you for the beautiful sunset. Or, Lord, thank you for the smell of these muffins coming out of the oven. Lord, thank you that I have hot water running out of my faucet and can take a hot shower. Thank you that my car turned on this morning. Lord, thank you that I'm feeling good today. And thank you, you know, just whatever. Thank you, Lord, that I can buy hair dye at the store so that I don't have to have gray hair if I don't want to. Even if it's not a salon haircut, that that there's somebody who made a product that can meet my need. Whatever it is, we can be thankful and write those down. And by going through our day and listing, we can do this, you know, maybe at one time in our day or just when we're starting to feel negative, we can just focus in our mind, okay, what can I be grateful for at this moment? Writing those down or just meditating on those can be so helpful to our mental health. And Adam Voskamp is not the only one that recommends doing this. There are actually mental health professionals that recommend doing what they call gratitude journals. And again, it's just this meditation, again, because depression is a problem in the mind when all we're thinking about is negative thoughts or what's wrong in our lives that again, it leads to very negative emotions. And so by practicing and thinking about and meditating on what we can be thankful for, that that can be so helpful to our overall mental outlook. Now, listing what we're grateful for is not going to be necessarily something that comes naturally for us. Some of us are more positive individuals where we just are more rosy in our outlook. But Chances are, if depression is something that you struggle with, it may be because you just naturally are somebody who more focuses on maybe the negative. I know that I'm certainly one who just kind of gravitates more towards thinking (laughs) pessimistically. And I have to really work to think about that which I'm grateful for. It doesn't feel natural to me and it may feel sort of forced and silly. But if we take the time to do this and engage in intentional gratitude, we will find that our depression lifts sooner and we can have peace even in the midst of very stressful circumstances. I'm going to get to my second point in a moment, but one of the things I noticed about my own situation that came to mind as I was listening to the sermon on Sunday about gratitude, one of the things that came to mind was that I was praying to God, but I was 
I was mainly just complaining during that session. And that's absolutely something that is okay to do. We need to be real with God. But generally when I start prayer time, I usually start with listing what I'm grateful for. And I had just cut that out completely and gone straight to the complaints. And that's okay to do. I'm not saying we have to follow a certain formula. But I had done that so regularly over the course of several weeks that there was no, I wasn't getting the benefit of listing what I was grateful for and focusing on that. So number two, another thing that we can do when we are depressed is pray and prayer. So prayer sounds like a no-brainer solution that well-meaning people offer you when they don't know what else to say, but it really does work. So even though it can be very helpful to talk to another person. It's a wonderful thing to be able to talk to someone when you're feeling down because you can just feel the weight of what you're going through lift. But there is nobody that can help us in our situation like God. We can be honest with him about how much a person's remark hurt us, how squared we are. We don't have to worry what is he going to think about what we're going to say. We can just lay it all out there. And prayer time is a great emotion neutralizer. We come into it with angry, despairing, devastating emotions, and we can walk out of it with a different perspective, a sense of calm and a release from all the bad that's inside of us. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 recommends, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I already kind of mentioned this in the last point, but one thing that's really about this verse that my pastor did a great job of highlighting in this week's sermon was that the peace of God, which protects us, is connected to Thanksgiving. That, as I mentioned in my last point, it's a wonderful thing and a needed thing to tell God everything we're experiencing, to be totally honest to just lay it out. And it's so freeing to do that. But at the same time, as I mentioned, if we're doing just a complaint session in our prayer life and we aren't spending any time thanking God for what he's doing in our lives, what he's done, what we have to be thankful for, then we aren't going to be experiencing the peace that we need. So it mentions in this verse, but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, present your requests. So if we're just presenting requests and complaints and no Thanksgiving, then we're going to be experiencing like I did, just a lack of peace. And we're going to be feeling like a rubber band that's about to snap and will snap over really small things like a picture session that we're not particularly pleased with or something very small. And then we can even feel guilty because of how we reacted. And that can even lead to more feelings of depression and so forth. So often when we're at our lowest, we just don't feel like praying. We don't want to, we want to maybe even hide away from the world and even God, but God promises to guard our heart against anger, despair, bitterness that threaten to overtake us. God's peace becomes our protector. I want to go over some more points again next week. But I want to wrap this particular episode up by telling you about an interesting song that, again, really ministered to me on Sunday. And my hope in sharing it is that it will be something that will maybe speak to you as well. But the whole service really spoke to me. 
the the pastor's sermon on gratitude, but also there was one particular song that played that really spoke to me and it was a hymn I'd never heard before. It's called There Is a Fountain and it's by William Cooper. It was written years and years ago, I think sometime in the 1700s, 1700s or some sometime like that. But in the song, it says this, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he washed all my sins away. The words are pretty graphic in this song. In fact, when I first heard the first line, I thought, my goodness, that's a little graphic. There is a fountain filled with blood. But the line that stood out to me the most was, that sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. When I heard that, I thought to myself, whoever wrote this hymn must have been somebody who knew guilt and knew failure, and but then was able to find a release from that in Jesus. They would not have been able to write this song if they hadn't been struggling and then found what they needed in Jesus. And so, quite interestingly, I was going through my week and on my Facebook feed, I noticed an article by John Piper on DesiringGod.org on this very hymn writer. I had never heard this hymn. I go have gone to mainly contemporary churches, so I have not. I don't, I do know some hymns, but I don't know all of them. And Interestingly, I found this article on William Cooper and I looked up the article and then did a little more research on William Cooper. And I found that William Cooper, no surprise, actually experienced severe bouts with depression during his life. He lost his mother at a young age, at the age of six. He was bullied in school. He suffered a panic attack for an important interview when he was trying to get into his, uh, the career his father wanted him to go into. He went to a mental asylum, just struggled with, was a very sensitive, um, acutely aware individual. And when he got out of the asylum, he actually went on to become an accomplished poet. But several times throughout his life, he tried to commit suicide. And there was just a sense of, from what I read about him, intense, I think, guilt and shame that he felt many times that he just felt over his failures or felt that he shouldn't, you know, receive grace. And that when he wrote this hymn, according to what I read, if it was accurate, he was going through a period of time where even though he was saved, he was very much feeling empty, feeling that he even had a series of nightmares that he woke up in hell. And he wasn't, I, from what I read, it seems like he was maybe even having anxiety over whether he was really saved or not, or I believe that the, you know, Satan was just sending an attack in his life as far as causing, causing him to question and doubt his faith and causing him to question whether Jesus' blood truly covered over his failures and his sin. But he heard a sermon one day where this particular sermon was about God's, you know, Jesus's atoning work on the cross, which Jesus's blood covers over our failures and our sins. And we can be plunged, like it says in the song, plunged under that 
And whatever we're struggling with, whatever failure that God meets us where we are and that we don't have to fix ourselves and even over failures that we don't have to struggle with those heavy feelings of shame because Jesus forgives us. And so we can confess what, what we've done wrong. Sometimes there are consequences in our life because of those, but we don't have to carry that shame in our life and we don't have to carry that guilt. And so he felt that wonderful release and he rushed home and he wrote the song that, uh, um, that I share with you, there is a fountain. And over the years, some people have even tried to change the lyrics to make them a little less graphic. Um, it's, it's been, but then it was, it was changed back, but I love the words and what they say. And even sitting there just to be extremely vulnerable, even sitting there in the service, I mentioned, you know, trials and things that I've been going through, but also that periodically just for me and the way I'm wired is that I'll, I, I do have expectations for myself that I can't meet and that the sense of failure sometimes in my life is great of my own failures with my family, with, you know, personally, just, just personally how I feel sometimes. And I was even going over in my mind, going into that weekend where I was snapping everybody, um, going over in my mind, different scenarios of how I wish that I had acted different, or I felt like I failed God in some areas. I feel like I can't push past a certain point. And God in his graciousness gave me exactly what he needed. Just like this song suggests with Cooper gave William Cooper in the 1770s or whenever it was 1700s gave him exactly what he needed. And that's what God does is that we can be struggling with something. We have no idea why we're struggling with depression and God can look into our lives and say, you know what? This is the reason this is the the root of, of this is the thought that is causing you to feel so much despair, or this is the, this is the guilt that I'm, I want you to let this go or this unresolved issue. And he can look in and see things about ourselves that we cannot see. And please hear me out. I'm talking in this episode more about depression as far as, um, you know, just the, 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 the depression that many of us were just kind of going on feel not necessarily those that you may have been diagnosed with maybe a clinical depression that maybe it has more of a genetic component to it or so forth. Um, I'm not saying that we can't use medication or doctors and God can definitely work through those things, but I'm just talking mainly more about those scenarios where we're going through life and we're hit with just these really heavy feelings and we may have been fine before that point. So Jesus is enough and he is enough to meet us exactly where we are. And he certainly did that for me on the Sunday I, I described and did that for this hymn writer. And he can do that for you. So I'm just going to go ahead and end in prayer. If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, I encourage you to ask him in your heart right now. It's just that simple. You simply have to invite him into your life to be your personal savior. Just ask him, admit you're a sinner and ask him to be the Lord of your life. And it's just that simple. And then plug into a great church, Bible-based church to learn more about God and have some people surround you that can lead you and, and teach you what it means to be a Christian. Let's just go ahead and pray. Lord, some of us listening are maybe feel really heavy because of different circumstances. And we don't know why we're experiencing depression or why depression is a problem for us. But Lord, you do. You wired us. You know exactly 
um, how we think and how, how we, we act. And you know things about ourselves that we don't know. So I just pray in this moment that, Lord, you would just illuminate for the people listening why they may be suffering with depression at the moment. That you would speak to them, if it, even if it isn't related to something I shared, that, Lord, you don't need my words. That you can go outside of them and you can reveal to them. And I just pray that they would look to you, that they wouldn't turn away, but they would look to you knowing that you are the solution, Lord, to depression, to any ill that 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 comes our way that you care about things like cancer and you care about big world problems, but you care about also our emotional state and you have provision in your word to help us live so that we can be truly free in our minds that we are not bogged down by negative thinking Lord. So just help us know the ways that we can maybe change our thoughts or the, or the reasons that we are feeling the way we are and help us truly be able to go into this season with joyful hearts and thanksgiving, no matter what comes our way and, and experience joy and, and peace, no matter what circumstances we're walking through. In Jesus name. Amen.